You're listening to the Great Day in Sales Podcast, brought to you by Alicia. Okay, Kyle, thank you for being with us today. Appreciate you coming in. Glad to be here, Justin. Thanks for having me. Awesome. We're going to talk about a lot of things today, but really excited to kind of hear your background. And just to kick things off, why don't you tell us kind of where you started to find your, your footing in a career. I mean, start as early as you want, but love to kind of hear how you how you got to where you are now. Yeah, I mean, if it's early as I want, I'm going to go all the way back to eight years old. I mean, I started as a newspaper carrier for the Ogden Standard Examiner, and I've been working, you know, pretty much straight through since then. I, I had a lot of different jobs to kind of work my way through college and high school, everything from you know, sports umpiring and refereeing to construction to selling at a Lowe's to, I, I just did a bunch of different things, uh, but then spent two years down in Chile as a, as a missionary for my church and the ultimate sales job, if you will, that uh, you're selling something that, you know, there's a very mission driven, if you will, but also the product market fit may be sh- a challenge for some people. But I'll tell you what, the, the, the lessons you learn from that, the rejection that comes along with it, the you know the the joy you feel when you have success, and it's uh, it really taught me what it meant to 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 do something that matters, at least that mattered to me. And um, and from there, I, coming out of school, then I did undergrad at a place called Weber State. And coming out of school, I, I had a sales job. I was a financial advisor, so it's a finance guy disguised as a sales guy, because that's really what you're doing is selling. And it's a tough job. I mean, they basically give you a telephone and say, good luck, go find us a bunch of clients. And did it for a couple years, had success, built a business. And actually, my brother still does. He's been doing it for over 20 years now. And had planned to kind of go into business with him after business school. So I gave him all my clients, went to business school. But then coming out, I realized I kind of wanted to explore more than just Utah. I wanted to, you know, get outside and do something else. And also really wanted to learn finance. So at business school, did the emphasis in finance. Went out to New York, worked out there in financial services for three years in one of these rotation programs, and learned what I wanted to from finance so that I felt like I could have a solid footing. And anything I did, I figured, I figured having a finance background couldn't hurt, and really glad I did that, but still felt the gravitational pull towards client-facing, doing something that was more kind of interactive and also drove more of the top-line revenue for the company. And that's when LinkedIn came and talked to me and said, hey, I actually had a friend from business school who came over and said, why don't you come join us? And I didn't really know what LinkedIn was doing at the time. It was a pretty new company. Um, but went over and started selling for him. And that started a journey of nine years of a number of different sales and sales leadership roles. And coming out of there, the you know COVID hit, pushed us out of New York. We've been there for 12 years. And, and came out here to Utah. And that's when Jim Pass came and found me. The uh, a guy actually at LinkedIn that I worked with was a sales operations guy came and said hey we're building this new company talk to our CEO and I was kind of consulting with them for a while to help them figure out how they were you know thinking about their strategy as they entered the US and after a while almost a year of talking with them they convinced me to to jump ship at LinkedIn and and come join so now I lead the uh, basically the, the commercial business for the US for Jim Pass fascinating background wow and you spent a number of years at LinkedIn and something you said that I feel like most people listening will probably grab onto it was you mentioned it being uh, early days when you joined. It was a young company. And now it's, I mean, especially for sellers, LinkedIn is such a tool now to be able to do social selling, a number of things. And you joined so early on, spent nine years there. Very, very interesting. What 
what was compelling at the time? Because I think most people have the frame of reference of LinkedIn now. All those years ago, what what kind of was compelling to you? What was the opportunity? You said you weren't even totally sure what you'd be doing at first. But, yeah, walk us through kind of what, what compelled you to that opportunity. It was wild. Uh, this week, LinkedIn hit 1 billion members, actually. And, uh, you know, when I started, they were under 100 million. And 2012 is when I started there, and they had just IPO. I didn't want to get in pre-IPO. I didn't want to deal with any of that, you know, pre-IPO shares and the confusion that comes along with that. Gotcha. So I started right after the IPO, which is kind of a bummer. But what what happened is when they came to me, then they were building this talent business, and I didn't understand like people at the time. A lot of people had LinkedIn who were kind of in the knowledge worker space. But they didn't know what to do with it. It was really just a job board at the time. It's like when you needed a job, you could go there and find other people. But they didn't even have a news feed when I started. In fact, the guy who started the news feed is still there. But they hired him over from the Wall Street Journal. He had this idea of like, hey, we're going to build this thing into a, a feed. And so it was. It was quite early days. But um, the compelling moment for me was like once I read through, because they just IPO'd, I could read through all their financials and read through kind of their, their annual report of what they were doing. and. Once I read what they were doing and also their vision and mission of connecting the world's professionals to make them more productive and successful and this idea of creating economic opportunity for every member of the global workforce, I was like, this is this is really exciting. And so I, I got excited about it. That's great. What Walk us through kind of what the team structure looked like. I'm sure it was a large sales team. Was it regional-based? Did you have SDL? Walk us through kind of what that sales organization looked like at LinkedIn. Yeah, so early days, and it didn't change a ton during the time I was there, but I was on a group called Talent Solutions, and what we were selling is basically recruiting solutions. And I started as you know what they called an RM, a relationship manager, and so I was an IC, and my job was to go and take the clients that we had and help grow them. And there were pretty significant growth targets that they gave with. I mean, it was an amazing product. And at the time, there was, I mean, still, there's nothing else nothing like, like it. Nothing like it. Yeah, absolutely. But it was taking the kind of talent acquisition world by storm because all of a sudden you were going from this world of if you needed to hire someone at a high level, you had to go to a staffing agency. And you're paying like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars every time you hire a single person. And all of a sudden, we gave them the tools to do that on their own. And it was transformational for the industry. So it was a great product. That said, LinkedIn knew that, so they gave us some pretty uh, some pretty aggressive targets of how we were growing these 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 accounts. And so the way we were structured is we had a new business team, right, the AE team, right, and we had a sales dev team that was supporting them. They would close the deals and pass them over to my team, which was the re relationship management team. We'd manage the accounts and grow the accounts, and uh, and and try and continue to get them to to get bigger. Um, and it was regional at the time, so that I was on the East Coast team, and. And then we had a central and a you know and a West Coast team and a Canada team. Yeah, great. So you were part of kind of widening the wall a little bit of all those you know those customers and and seeing what you can add to, to you know what they what they purchase what they're using. And it was specifically in the training side of LinkedIn those the the videos that they create. What was it specific topics? Was it a range or like how did you how they kind of think of what to create there and how to how to provide value to their customers? How were they thinking about that at the time? So at the time, it was, I was doing what was called talent solutions. We didn't have the learning business at that time. Mm. So initially, it was just helping people hire people. And so we were selling you know, recruiter seats where you get a seat to be able to access the entire network and use it almost right. as like a CRM for recruiting. We would sell uh, job slots where they would post their jobs and we would put them throughout the LinkedIn network and serve them up to people who had the right backgrounds for them. We were selling career pages, which would allow them to kind of 
focus on their employer brand and let people know what it's like to work there. And so we were helping people figure out how to hire in a much more strategic way. And I did that for a little over a year as a rep. And then I managed several different teams from SMB and mid-market and enterprise. And, and after doing that for a few years, we acquired a company called lynda.com. And lynda.com was a learning platform. It was primarily targeted at uh, academic and government. It was like, hey, let's help people learn how to code and do their things. LinkedIn saw the opportunity to commercialize it and take it to you know, the, broader, mm-hmm. you know, the broader ecosystem of all professionals. And, and I was fortunate enough to have them come, you know, the folks at LinkedIn come to me when they made that acquisition and say, hey, we want you to help spin up a sales team for that. And so that's when we started to build a sales team, you know, the first sales team for what then became LinkedIn Learning after the acquisition. And so I ended up leading the, the new business sales team for the U.S. for everything that was LinkedIn Learning. How did you think about building that sales team? What went through your head of the type of people you were going to recruit? How did you want to build the frameworks for success for those people? Walk us through kind of you were just tasked, you know, acquisition. You're tasked to kind of build this new this new team looking for a new business. What went through your head as you were building out the frameworks for them? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. LinkedIn is such a great place. It was such a great place to work and to learn. And, you know, the, the first operating priority at LinkedIn was, always has been, I assume always will be, it was talent. And talent was our top priority. And so we'd always talk about how does talent play into all that we do. And so when we went to build that team, then obviously one of the most talented people we could find. And we had the advantage of having all of the folks from LinkedIn who we worked with for several years at that point to say, let's find some of the best sellers that we have out there and come have them help us build what, what, what this new you know, platform is going to be. Then we also had a team that was out in Carpinteria, California, who had been from lynda.com that had been selling this thing, but had been mostly inbound and mostly focused on academic and government. And so what we did is we took that team, and to be honest, like we were a little bit pretentious about the whole thing. I think we were like, well, we're LinkedIn, look at all the stuff we've done, this can be easy, like it's a single product. Our product was so much more complicated. And we were humbled really quickly, because it was really hard. And a lot of the stuff that the folks who had been there selling for a while had told us, like, hey, these sales cycles are longer, it takes a long time. And you, you, you really need to understand the learning business. It's different than, than, than the talent acquisition business. We're like, yeah, I'm sure. you. And we learned really quickly that they were right. Mm. One of the things that I did that was the, probably one of the best things that I did was I hired a guy that came from that industry. And he was a senior seller, had been doing it for almost 20 years, and just a bright, capable, but really, really sincere and humble human being who came and helped us build the business. And so much of what we did came from leaning on Brian and saying, Brian, what would you do here? What are they looking for? Like, what are the things that the client cares about? And he just knew because he'd been selling to this to, to these people for so long that he understood. And he also understood the goldmine that we were on with LinkedIn Learning. He's like, this is so much better than anything else in the market. And so it really helped to have someone like that who was on the team, who was helping the rest of people see the vision that you know, we had seen when we acquired it. We kind of got mired in all of the, you know, the startup world of trying to figure out how do we build this thing. And so having that vision as well as the people who had been there were really helpful for those who had some great sales skills coming from LinkedIn, mm-hmm. but also didn't, didn't understand what it took to kind of transition to sell to a new type of client. With, with a brand new acquisition like that, how much runway did LinkedIn give you to kind of figure out your team? Was it pretty, all right, we're going to give you time, kind of get settled, figure out this. We know this is a new approach. We don't exactly know how to go to market with this. We just knew it was a good acquisition for us. Like Walk us through kind of the timeline and expectations that that leadership gave you. It's a good question. It was uh, initially, 
it was pretty quick to hire the team, right? And, and hiring the team didn't take long because people were really excited about it, right? And people wanted to change. And so we got some really great people that came over from LinkedIn. I was also able to grab a few people from the industry who saw the acquisition, saw what was going on. It was, we got some great people that way. And so hiring the team, that happened relatively quickly. But then the first year was really a struggle. And it was a struggle because we were figuring out the product. We had this lynda.com platform, but we were building what would become LinkedIn Learning, so we were going to have to move over to new platforms. We were trying to sell the old one while still talking about the new one. And in that first year, we also didn't realize how long the sales cycles would be. Some of these large strategic clients, when we were selling to a, you know, some of the largest companies in the world, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. And, and so that, that guy that I mentioned was super helpful, though, because those first six months, he didn't sell a thing. And everyone's like, how are you doing, Brian? Like, you doing okay? And he's like, this is so awesome. He's like, this is wonderful. We're like, what do you mean you haven't sold anything? He's like, I'm having conversations now that would generally take two years to develop. And I'm having them in the first few months. He's like, this is going to work. And that guy now, by the way, I mean, we're five years since then. And I just had lunch with him last week in New York. And he sold, I don't know, probably 15 million plus dollars of LinkedIn learning in the last, you know, five years or something like that. And it just become a legend over there. But he saw because of the conversations that he had. And that to me is the sign of a true salesperson. It's not when the deals are closing, but you know by the conversations that you're having, that you're having success and you're making progress. And he was able to also help the rest of the team who was getting a little bit nervous about, hey, geez, this is taking a while. Why aren't we selling anything yet? He's like, guys, it will come. You just keep on having the right conversations, keep on doing the right daily activities, and this is going to work out. And it did. So the first year was tough, and then after that, it was fantastic. Smooth sailing. Yeah, the, it's interesting you're, men- you're mentioning daily activities because I think you, you're, you're identifying trends or patterns that helps you recognize this This is going to work. This is an opportunity. What were you trying to identify? You know, you said first six months, kind of rough start, the first year, getting things. What did you start to notice made a lot of sense? You mentioned the conversations were right, but... Could you be specific as to what you identified as, um, you know, success? Like, how did you start to identify success with your teams? Yeah, I mean, look, I think in in any role in sales, then I I like to talk a lot lot about winning the day, right? Because I think that in sales, if you measure success by, you know, did I close a massive deal today? Or did I get that, you know, first meeting with my number one prospect that I've been going after? Then, you know, most of your days you lose, and you walk away from every day feeling like, geez, that was a failure. And then pretty soon you get demotivated and you're like, what am I doing here? But if you can create some small, manageable goals for each day, like how many conversations will I have today? How many calls will I make? How many meetings can I set today? Then all of a sudden you walk away from a day and you're like, hey, I won today. And, and, and so that's what we did. We basically said like, all right, we've got this book. We've got all these accounts that we can go after. By the way, a bunch of them, we had the advantage of they already had a relationship with LinkedIn, so that was certainly helpful. We could get some introductions there. Um, but we basically said, like, all right, each one of the reps that we had, here's your account. Let's go after, or here's your book of accounts. Let's go after and figure out how many of those can we get in touch with in a certain amount of time. And so first it was about setting meetings. And then after that, and we had a sales dev team we were working with that helped us you know, build some of these uh, relationships. But then from there was how many conversations we have, how many meetings. We were, at the time, we were doing in-persons. We'd actually go and meet with them, if you can imagine. We'd go and meet with people in person. Um, and then it started to come down to you know how many deals are we actually closing, right? And so it, it, it was step by step, but it was really by like how many, you know, how many of these you know, simple activities can we do 
on a daily basis. And then we were celebrating the small wins, right? For the team, we'd be like, hey, look, look at how many be- meetings that, uh, you know, that made me book today. That was great. And yeah, we got there. Yeah, I love it. Think of how you're going to win the day. That's great. So you, you spent a number of years at LinkedIn and now mm-hmm. you're at Gym Pass. Yeah. What did that transition look like? Right. What did, what was the opportunity for you? Kind of walk us through that that step in your career. Yeah, so you know, I it was so hard to leave LinkedIn. I, I really I still love it, and I still have a lot of great friends, and and and, and I learned so much from it. Uh, but I think as I was coming to, you know, nine years and kind of the role that I was in, then what was happening at the time too is there was a transition going on where we we're moving that learning business back to the talent business that I'd been in before. So it felt a little bit like I was going back to an organization that I'd already worked with. And one of the cool things about the nine years at LinkedIn, every year and a half or two years, I had a new job where I was doing something completely new. So it felt like I was always starting something new. And even that Linda experience that I shared, like it was basically a startup. There was another kind of startup within the startup before that role that I would taken on a different segment and tried something new. So it always felt new. And, and this felt a little bit like I was going back to something that I'd done. And so that's when I started to have the ideas of like, hey, maybe it's time for something different. And at that same time, as I'd mentioned, someone from Jim Pass had reached out and I was having some great conversation with their CEO and talking about like, hey, how do you think about this U.S. market? And I think one of the things that I'd undervalued earlier in my career when I worked in financial services was doing something that, that mattered. And, you know, working in financial services, you know, there were certainly missions that that the organizations I worked for had. I don't remember what they are, and I never really, they never <laughs> resonate with me, yeah. right? But all of a sudden, at, at LinkedIn, I was working for this organization that was doing something amazing in the world, connecting the world's professionals and create an economic opportunity. And so I kind of decided, hey, if I ever do leave LinkedIn, I want to do it for something that matters. And when I talked with the CEO there, his name is Cesar, a great guy, he said, Kyle, you know, our mission is to make well-being universal. And I looked around and thought about, you know, what matters in life and what matters to the people who matter most to me. Um, my dad had just gone through a very difficult, you know, health crisis, and we lost him a few years before this had happened. And, uh, and it occurred to me that if I could do something to help more people live healthier and happier lives, that's something that matters. And that's something that I could inspire and motivate people to do more than just sell, but to be making a difference in people's lives. And that's what I thrived on at LinkedIn was the ability to say like, hey, even though what we're doing, it's making money and these things you know, are, are, are part of your livelihood, which is very important, we're doing something much greater that makes a bigger difference in the world. And so that's really what ended up selling me on Gym Pass. And besides the fact that they talked to me before the pandemic hit, and a company called Gym Pass that was like sending people to gyms. The pandemic hit and they reached back out to me and I was like, are you guys looking for a job? I figured like that the company had gone bust or something, but they transitioned to digital, made this amazing transition, survived COVID. And I was like, if they can, if they can get through that, this is an impressive company. And so anyway, that's what, that's what got me to come. That's, come that's forward. fascinating. And, and sorry to hear about the passing of your father, but oh, thanks. Um, I, I can tell as you talk about this new opportunity, there's a passion there and, and obviously that's going to influence the sales and marketing side and the role that you have of, of, of helping build this, this company. What's something you've learned and can share with people in, in a sales role or looking to kind of, you know, influence the revenue of a business having transitioned from LinkedIn now to gym pass and you, you did some startups within a startup. Now you're at gym pass. What's something you've learned in the last little bit being there that you feel like could could also help other people? You know, it's interesting because as I look back then, it, it linked in, I had a lot of different sales roles and kind of led sales teams all the way from you know, the smallest businesses up to the largest companies in the world. And um, 
at, at Gym Pass have had a variety of different opportunities to lead different types of people in different types of roles. But as I think about it, it's it's all the same. At the end of the day, then the leadership, the principles don't change a lot. And and what I'd say is when I was initially interviewing for a manager role at LinkedIn and trying to get my first shot at moving from an IC to a manager, I read this study that Google did. It was they called it Project Oxygen. It was really interesting because it was actually a project for engineer managers, engineering managers. And the hypothesis was management doesn't matter. Like performers are going to perform regardless of who their manager are, manager is. So we're going to do a lot of research to prove that managers are worthless. And they actually proved the opposite. What they proved was that the best managers were driving far, driving far better results. And what they found, there was eight different things that they, they list that these managers were doing. And there's, there's four that I'll share here that I think were, were really impactful to me and I've tried to, 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 to use in every leadership role that I've had. And the first was taking a sincere interest in the life and career of each of the people that you work with. Mm. And, and, and if you do two of those three, it doesn't work. If you do one of the three, it definitely doesn't work. But if you do all three, you'll find people that will stay with you and work with you in, in many different jobs. And I've had the opportunity to do that. Um, the second thing is there are great coaches. What great coaches mean is they're not just telling you how to do things. They're helping you talk through and reason through your own problems. And then the third thing was what they were doing is these managers had the technical competence to be able to, to, to at least advise, right? You've got to have run a strong sales cycle to be able to show someone. You have to have been a strong engineer. You don't have to have been the best salesperson ever, but you have to have the technical competence to help advise them. And then three, they need to have a clear vision and strategy. And, and what I've found is if you have those four things and can deliver on those four things, no matter what the leadership role or what the type of organization, you're going to be able to have, be able to have an impact on the people you work with. Yeah, I, I I like that. It's you know, kind of having a structure like that. If we can cross these four things off, then we're probably a lot more buttoned up than most organizations. You know, leading whether it's a sales team or development or or whatever the part is. So, um, at this point in the conversation, we we typically look at everything you've kind of shared and really just ask the question, what to you, which you've you've answered. You know, win the day, but what to you is a great day in sales. I mean, winning the day, yes, everyone wants to win the day, and there's different ways. So to you, though, a great day in sales, what, what exactly does that look like? Yeah, well, I think it is, it's understanding what winning the day looks like, because to everyone, it'll look a little bit different. But let me share a story about when I was, when I was a sale, like, so when I started at Morgan Stanley, right, my first job out of college, there were 13 guys who started in my class, and all of our jobs, I say guys, they were actually all men, but our job was to go and build a certain amount of business and stay with the organization. When I left and decided to go back to business school, there were two of us left. Right? It was a really tough job because it was all on our shoulders. But I'd read this book about Morgan Stanley's success stories. Like he's, these were the best financial advisors that Morgan Stanley mm, had. There was a guy in there, his name was Nick Bappas, and he, he talked about like he came from nothing and started from scratch, but he said, hey, every day for my entire career, he's like 30 years in, I made 20 calls, and every day I'm going to make those 20 calls regardless of what happens. Sometimes they're cold calls, people I've never talked with, sometimes they're the clients, but every day I will make 20 calls. And so for him, that was his thing. It doesn't mean that everyone in sales has to do 20 calls, but it's understanding what for you are the things you're going to be consistent on. What are the things that are going to drive a success? And so a great day in sales means understanding what are the things that are going to move the needle for you and making sure that you commit to yourself that you're going to do those things, regardless of the circumstances you are going to do things that you've committed to yourself. 
And that to me is the most important thing in sales. Like the best salespeople are the people who can simply set their own goals, make commitments to keep them, and then hold themselves accountable to the goals that they set for themselves. I love it. It's kind of a part of it is definitely identifying what's going to produce success and then committing and, and obviously following through. That's great. It's great feedback. Kyle, I, I would love to um, just ask just a little bit more detail essentially around what gym pass, the, the, you know, what the goal is there and what, what your expectations are in the coming years uh, yeah. in your role. I'd love to just hear kind of what the vision is in the next few years for a gym pass to find success. Yeah, so Gym Pass is an interesting business. It's a B2B2C business, right? And so you can't go to gympass.com and just sign up for a pass and jump on there. Mm. You need to be offered that through your company, all right? And so what our business does, our mission, as I mentioned before, is making well-being universal. We found that the best way that we can do that is by providing an amazing employee benefit to companies that they then offer to their employees. It works amazingly well for us because... Our sales and marketing team, instead of having to go out and try and get these consumers and convince them to use Gym Pass, why, the companies do that for us. They communicate with their employees. But the value proposition is there for them because they're now providing this network. We have over 60,000 gyms and studios across the world, as well as like 50 well-being apps, so everything from Strava to MyFitnessPal to uh, Headspace, Calm, you name it. We have all these brought together in one pass. And that pass then enables an employee to use whatever aspect of well-being they need the most. And that's the thing we've learned the most is everyone's well-being journey is unique. Nobody is on the same journey when it comes to well-being. And so we provide a vast array of options that to any employee they can find something that matters to them and helps them. And so what's, what's our vision and what are we trying to do? Well, we're trying to make well-being universal by providing this benefit to every single company in the world. And, uh, you know, we're on that path. We've had significant growth in the time that I've been there. And the company, interestingly enough, it started in Brazil about 10 years ago. And so in Brazil, Gym Pass is very much a household name. Like, everyone knows about Gym Pass there. And it's kind of, it's one of very few unicorns that have come out of Brazil. And uh, and so everyone in, in, in Brazil wants to go work for Gym Pass, and most of the companies down there have it. And so we're now trying to, to replicate that in the U.S. and bring that type of exposure as well as that type of utilization to you know the, the, the U.S. market as well as a number of other markets that we operate in. Awesome. Kyle, thanks for talking today. I think everyone can take something away from win the day, figure out, identify, commit, and then follow through on, on those daily activities, whether you call them KPIs or what you're looking for in the day. And then obviously you had a, a, a great career thus far plenty more years to go, um, uh, both supporting LinkedIn and, and other financial instu- institutions before that, LinkedIn, and then obviously Gym Pass now. So we appreciate you joining us on the on the podcast today. Thanks a lot. Oh, thanks for having me, Justin. It's a pleasure being here. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Great Day in Sales podcast. Check us out at podcast.alicio.ai or anywhere you stream podcasts.